0: Uh, Jonah chapter 4, that's in the New Testament if you don't know where it's at, so just keep on looking, amen, Jonah chapter 4, so uh, verse number 1, the Bible said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious, uh, thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore, now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. Verse number eight. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left and also much cattle. Father, I pray this morning that you would bless the reading of thy word. God, we didn't come this morning to see man, but we come to hear from you. And I pray that you would give us the liberty and the vocabulary. I pray the Holy Ghost would do what needs to be done. Lord, I know what you put in my heart. God, I want to be obedient, but Lord, I also want to examine myself, uh, Lord, to see where I be at in the faith today. I pray that, Lord, you would speak to every soul. Help us to do business with you, and may we all lead challenge and change for the glory of God, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject this morning on how to know if you're backslid, how to know. If you're backslid, and I'm not just preaching a sermon this morning, I want you to know that. This is the burden of my heart in my own life, and it's the burden of my heart for our church as well. I'll tell you, listen, when you come to this passage of Scripture, uh, we know that Jonah, uh, this is very personal to me, I think, because uh, Jonah in chapter number 4, uh, it's very easy to see that Jonah is backslid. Uh, we know that in chapter number 1, the Bible talks about Jonah's problem, he runs from God. In chapter number 2, it talks about Jonah's prayer. Verse number 1 of chapter 2 says this, Jonah prayed. Uh, Finally Jonah began to pray to God out of the belly of that well. And then chapter 3 talks about Jonah's preaching. Amen. As he preached that great revival. And Nineveh had revival. Uh, But when we come to chapter 4 it's all about Jonah's pouting. Isn't that right? Uh, Jonah's got a very bad spirit. A very bad attitude in this chapter here toward God and toward man. And I think about this because uh, uh, Jonah is backslid in chapter 4. He was backslid in chapter number one, Uh, in the beginning of this book he was backslid and then in the end of this book and as far as we may know this would be the end of of Jonah's life could have ended this way and I thought as I read this chapter uh, the other day I thought you know I don't want my life to end that way, can I get a witness on that I tell you there's a lot of ways uh, uh, that I don't want to die and one of the ways I don't want to die is I don't want to die backslid in my heart and away from God, amen, I remind you that Jonah was serving God and Jonah was in the work of God and finally Jonah even got in the will of God but Jonah was still backslid on God. Amen. Uh, Jonah is not a backslid deacon. He's not a backslid Sunday school teacher. He's not a a backslid uh, singer. He's a backslid preacher. Amen. And brother that's personal to me uh, because preachers can backslide just like singers and deacons and Sunday school teachers and church members. Amen. But the question this morning in all of our life is how to know if you are backslid. Because as you and I think about this message this morning, we're not to consider the person sitting beside us, not a family member, not a church member. We're not to consider someone sitting behind us or around us. But I think what God really wants everyone this morning from the pulpit all the way to the last pew is he wants us to take inventory of our own life and ask ourselves this question. You may be saved, but are you you where you need to be at with God? Are you giving God your best? Amen. Have you cooled down? Have you got to a place in your life where you've just got complacent or are you serving God to the best of your ability this morning? I want to tell you, I'm far more concerned about complacency getting in our church than I am the coronavirus getting here. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. Because, brother, 99% of the people is going to survive the virus. Isn't that right? But I'm going to tell you, when complacency gets in a church, it's lethal. Amen. It's fatal to a church. And it can spread like wildfire in a church. Brother, I'm telling you, in these days that we're living in, uh, you and I should not allow circumstances to uh, to change us. We cannot allow surroundings to change us. Uh, uh, but listen, we, we have got to press on as we sung this morning. I thought, what a fitting song. Brother David had no idea what I was going to preach on this morning, but God knew what was going to happen. Amen. And we sung that song, press on, for it won't be long and can I stop and say this Uh, when it comes time to cross the finish line when it comes time for me to draw my last breath or when it comes time for the trumpet to sound if I'm still here I don't want to be on the sideline I don't want to just be a part of a good church Uh, I don't want to just say well I'm glad I'm saved uh, and coast across the line oh no friend uh, I can't make anybody else serve God I can't make anybody else love God I can't make anybody else hunger for God but by the grace of God uh, whether it's five or fifty or 500 and uh, whether we got liberty in this nation or not uh, I tell you what I want to do I want to die on a battlefield uh, I want to die with glory in my soul uh, I want to die with my spirit right my heart right uh, I want to die, die holy I want to die hungry and I want to die happy amen uh, I'm telling you I don't want to just uh, uh, get by in this Christian life uh, uh, but I want to live in Canaan uh, every day of my life hallelujah isn't that right? Amen. I'm telling you, listen, how to know if you're backslid. I got a lot of things I'll say in this sermon, but can I just tell you the number one way, just one point this morning, on how to know if you're backslid? You know how to know that this morning? Is by your spirit. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, take a good examination of your spirit. Well, preacher, I read my Bible and I pray. You can do that backslid. Well, preacher, uh, I'm going to church uh, a Sunday morning and Sunday night, and if we had Wednesday night, I'd be there on Wednesday night, but you can do all that and be backslid. Brother, here's a man that preached a great revival, and one chapter later, he's backslid as a billy goat. That's pretty backslid, ain't it? I mean, this morning, you can sit in church and hear preaching And I'm telling you, listen, your spirit not be right. I'm going to tell you, when you think about it this morning, what really identifies, think about this, but the fruit of the spirit, if uh, Galatians 5 and verse number 22, but the fruit of the spirit is what? It's love. There's nine things there. It's love, joy, peace, long sufferingness gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. He said, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. does not be desirous of vain glory. Somebody say amen right there. Envy one another, provoking one another. He said in verse number 16, but this I say unto you, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. I'm just simply saying we've got a command from the word of God that if we walk in the spirit and if we live in the spirit, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We don't have to lie live our life defeated. We don't have to live our life discouraged. We don't have to live in despondency. You and I ought to have victory in these last days if we're living and walking in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to notice some things about Jonah this morning. In verse number, in chapter four, I want you to notice some things. I want you to see in the first three verses. I want you to look at Jonah's attitude. Amen? I heard a preacher say years ago, he was a missionary, he said attitude determines altitude. Isn't that right? And when we look at this, uh, notice verse number one. But the Bible said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Jonah is full of anger. You know the Bible said in the book of James that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, the Bible does say to be angry and sin not. When does it become a sin? It becomes a sin whenever that anger becomes displayed in our life. And Jonah is displeased. Jonah is angry. I notice his displeasure here. And the question that comes to my mind is this, Jonah, what are you so upset about? Well, Jonah's upset about revival. Amen. People got right with God. And Jonah uh, gets upset about that. Jonah is upset about repentance. A whole nation repents and gets right with God. Jonah's upset about redemption. God forgave Nineveh, and God gave them redemption. Can I tell you something? A church can be in the midst of revival. God can be working, and God can be moving, and you can still be backslid. you know that? It's all about your spirit. You see, Jonah's spirit wasn't right in chapter one. That's why it wasn't right in chapter four. You saw that preacher, he repented and he prayed in chapter two uh, from the belly of that well. He sure did. But Jonah's got the same problem in chapter four he had in chapter one. You know what that is? Jonah got his eyes off the Lord and he got his eyes on people. Y'all still with me this morning, aren't you? We're not in a Methodist church now. Y'all say amen. If you believe what I'm preaching, say amen. Nod your head, smile a little bit or I'm gonna think you're backslid, amen. It's just that simple. I'm telling you this morning, you saw we didn't have no special singing preacher. I'm not in the mood for preaching. Well, God didn't lead me to do that. Right, listen, you can get into, you can get some help from preaching this morning, can't you? I'm just saying, come alive. It don't cost you nothing to say amen. And if you believe it, you ought to say amen to it. Isn't that right? Every one of y'all ought to be saying amen. But right now, if you believe that. I'm talking about, listen, it don't take a whole lot to upset people nowadays. You know that? it don't take a whole lot to make people mad to make people angry and Jonah had that kind of spirit now I can understand the world being that way but you and I ought to have a sweet spirit we ought to have a happy spirit we ought to have a good spirit, amen look what Jonah does in verse number 2 I see his disgruntlement you know displeasure always leads to disgruntlement the Bible said he prayed unto the Lord and said I pray thee oh Lord was not this my say when I was yet in my country now watch this he said therefore I fled before unto Tarsus, for I knew that thou art gracious. You know how you know how sinful of a prayer Jonah just prayed right in that text. Jonah blamed God for him going to Tarsus. That's what he said there. He said, "Lord, it's your fault I went to Tarsus." because I knew you are a God full of grace and mercy and them wicked Ninevites if, if I preached I knew they'd get right with God and as soon as they started repenting you'd show them mercy and so Jonah's still not right in his heart and listen he's preached a great revival he's prayed himself out of, the, out of the belly that well but he's still got that same problem in chapter 4 that he had in chapter 1 he's still got his eyes on people amen he's still mad because they got right with God he's still mad because God showed them mercy I'll tell you something this morning none of us does deserves the mercy of God. Amen. I don't deserve the right to be here this morning. To come to church is a privilege. Amen. This is not a right for me to be here this morning. I don't deserve the right to stand in this pulpit and preach. I'm telling you, listen, I don't deserve the right to even stand in the parking lot. It's just the mercy. It's just the grace of God. I'm telling you, if I had to come sit in the Sunday school wing this morning and just be counted, I could still lift my hand and say, thank you, God. That's better than what I deserve. Just the be a part of the church. I I don't deserve nothing this morning. Amen. And when you boil it down to the brass tacks, I don't have anything to complain about. God's been good to us. You think about how sorry. You say, preacher, I didn't come to hear how sorry I was, but we need to be reminded of that. When I think about how sorry and low down how many times I've failed God how many times i messed up and how many mistakes I've made in life it's a thousand wonders God has still even talked to me or fooled with me or even loved me amen but yet he keeps on loving us I tell you I have no right this morning to look at somebody else and be judgmental to them I you say well they're not doing right and they may not be but I'm telling you I'm just glad for mercy this morning I'm just glad for grace I'm just glad for God's goodness and the Bible says that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I don't want to die sour and sarcastic. I don't want to die backslidden out of the will of God. I don't want to die with the wrong attitude toward the Lord and the wrong attitude toward life. That's the way Jonah ends this chapter. He's got the wrong attitude toward the Lord. He's got the wrong attitude toward life. Hey, friend, is that how you want to finish this thing? Don't you want to die on the battlefield? Don't you want to die right with God? Don't you want to die with a smile on your face? Don't you want to be someone that people love to be around? I'm talking about, friend, when we're right with God, we're happy. When we're not right with God, we just like to complain. Can I get a witness on that? Brother, it's easy. I see the disgruntlement of Jonah in verse 2. I see the displeasure of him in verse 1. And then look at verse 3. I see the drama. He said, therefore now, Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Now, you know Jonah didn't mean that. You saw that preacher, he prayed it twice in that chapter. But if Jonah really meant that, he'd have never prayed for God to deliver him out of that belly that well. Amen. You see, Jonah, Jonah's just got a lot of drama going on in his life right now. Well, I'm glad we don't have no drama in this church. Don't y'all thank God for that? I'm gonna tell you, I don't, uh, I'm glad nobody here has any drama. But you, i tell you how to, I tell you how to note somebody that's full of drama. They're always saying how much they hate drama. Y'all still with me, aren't you? I'm talking about, hey, listen, you say, well, I don't like drama, preacher. I don't either. but if I get backslid, if you get backslid, we're subject to be full of it. Jonah just said, God, it's just better if I die. He's just pouting because he didn't get his way. Well, I'm glad nobody at Bible pouts because they don't get their way. I'm glad y'all not mad because we got blue tape on the pews. Amen or we got a monitor over there. Amen. Boy, I hit a nerve when I said that. Amen. I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we don't complain in this church. He said, well, I complain. Well, it's not getting you nowheres. I can tell you that. I'm not going to go around and put pacifiers in people's mouths. Amen. 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 Yeah. Come on now. Right. He said, well, I don't like some of the, you know, it's kind of funny, this whole virus thing. I have to say it's funny or I'll get mad, okay? We have four services on Sunday. Some people, they didn't like the nine and four, and some people loved it. We went back together. Some people said, I don't know why he's going back. He's lost his mind. And some people said, well, it's about time we finally got back together. He said, what do you do? I don't pay any of that any mind. I just asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? God, what wilt thou have me to do? Because I'm going to tell you something, I'll mess up every single time. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, heaven is no place for drama. Isn't that right? And church is no place for drama. You say, well, I got mad. Just get over it. Amen. That's what we all have to do. He said, Well, preacher, I, I'm upset at somebody else. Just get right with God and get right with them. And if they don't know about it, for God's sake, don't go tell them. Amen. Just leave it where it's at. I'm just telling you, hey, listen, church is no place for that. And when I hear that, and I've not heard a lot, but I've heard a little bit enough to know this much that when it starts creeping into church, you know what that means? Folks are backsliding, is what that means. People are drifting on God. Brother. There ain't a soul in this building had to walk to church this morning. Nobody's, ain't a, if you're barefooted, it's your own fault. There ain't nobody in this building barefooted. They ain't a soul in this building wondering where their next meal's coming from. We sit on padded pews in climate control buildings. Am I telling the truth? So what if we got to do this for six more months? So what? You didn't walk five miles and stand in a field in the rain for somebody to stand there and take the Bible like they do in third world countries and listen to it for hours with a hunger because you don't have one copy. You don't have one track. You've never even seen a Bible. You've never seen but a missionary. You didn't have to do that this morning. No, you know what we did? We got an air conditioned vehicles. We rode to the house of God in comfort. We walked in and sat down in comfort. I'm telling you, we ought to be sub beside our uh, every one of us ought to be shouting this morning. Every one of us ought to be thanking God uh, that we still got a place to come. Uh, hey, you didn't have to come so some liberal mess this morning. Uh, you didn't have to come here some preacher out of an NIV. Uh, you say, I don't like that kind of preaching. It's just because you're guilty this morning and you need to get right with God. Amen. And what you ought to do is thank God your pastor loves you enough to tell you what God woke me up at 2.30 this morning. And 4.30 this morning. And and finally I said, I'm just getting up. And the Holy Ghost said to my soul this morning, you drop that plow and you plow every root out of here. Amen. Amen. So I'll find me another church, you may. But I'm gonna sleep good tonight by the grace of God. I hope you know I love you. I pray for you. And I want to tell you something, I may not finish this sermon, but I going to tell you from the, from the recesses of my soul this morning, I don't want one member of Bible Baptist Church to backslide. Amen. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you this morning, Jonah, his attitude, how's your attitude this morning? I don't know why I'm going to say it, but that's what, I wrote it in my notes here. The Lord put it in my heart to say. I thought about when my children was coming up and I didn't do everything right. I got so many regrets. I think every time your kids, when they're gone, you just see all the mistakes you made in life. You wish you could go back and you try to tell your kids all the mistakes. I preach sermons. Do you think you get sermons? I preach sermons to my girls all the time. Amen. That's right. You know, if I had my way, all my grandchildren have helmets on their head till they're nine years old. That's right. I believe in angels because, I mean, oh, uh, uh, I can't even think of his name now. What about that? Ashton. Ashton will go through there. He misses every corner in the, in the house by about that much. I told my wife, I said, we're either going to buy him a helmet when it comes over or we're going to put foam on every corner. You know? Must be some angel pushing that head around, you know? And they all do it, don't they? But you know, when you look back through your life, you see the mistakes you made. You wish your kids didn't go that route, you know. And, um, but I'll tell you one thing I don't have no regrets about. Me and my wife, when our children was about two and three years old, we made a, we made a pact, we made a covenant that we'd never sit in the house and talk about church people and let our children hear that, brother. I'm telling you, I don't have no regrets about that. Amen. We never sit around and analyze. I don't, we don't do it to this day. I don't sit around and analyze church members, try to figure them out. I tell you, I wonder why Brother Laddie didn't speak to me this morning. Amen. Do you think Brother Laddie, Nolita, could have something against me? Because he, I mean, he just walked right past me. He might be going through the trial. Amen. See, when you start backsliding, you start critiquing everybody but yourself. You start looking at everybody. You'll start, start complaining. That critiquing will start complaining. I don't know why. I don't know why Brother Craig thinks he ought to sit over there in that corner. Why does he feel like it's Brother Barnes' spot? What's he doing over there? Is he trying to be Brother Barnes'? Is he trying to take of you know, he might be just, you know, that's just how people are. They just like to ease in. <laughs> well, I don't know why Brother Gravely thinks he just, he ought to do this or that. I'm telling you, friend, it ain't going to hurt me. It ain't going to hurt him. But it sure is going to hurt you. If you don't get that critical spirit out of you. Amen. Now I know enough to know this. God wouldn't have told me to preach it if they not somebody needed it. Amen. You say, Well, brother Grother, what I need to do, do inventory in your life. I don't sit around and talk about people. You know, the Bible said in Proverbs 13 and verse number 3, he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. And he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11, and that you study to be quiet, to do your own business. to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That means mind your own business, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, I wrote above uh, uh, Proverbs 13, 3. This is my little comment besides Proverbs 13 here is shut your big mouth. That's what I put down there. (laughs) So that when I read that verse, it reminds me just shut your big mouth. Amen. Amen. Well, how much better would things be if we could just shut this trap, the Bible said the tongue can no man tame. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I'm talking about when you backslide, you start rattling off stuff, you start saying things, you start your attitude goes, and then your actions. Hey man, notice Jonah's actions. Then, then said the Lord, dost, dost thou well to be angry?" In verse four, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And notice what he did. He made him a booth. What about that? Yeah, yeah. Miss Cape, you know what I thought? I've seen people make a booth in church. You know, what I, you know what that is? That's one of these right here. Well, bless God, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to sit over here. I'm not getting involved. I'm not going to say amen. I'm just going to sit over here on my blessed assurance and see how long it takes for a preacher to know I'm upset. I'm going to go ahead and fill you in. It don't take me three seconds to know you're upset. But it may take a lifetime before I ever acknowledge it, friend. Amen. You know why? Because if you don't get right with God, we're just going to keep on keeping on doing what we're doing. I'm just saying, you say, preacher, why are you preaching? I don't even know everything, amen. I'm just preaching it because the Holy Ghost said it, amen. And I got a whole lot more preaching me, amen. I got a whole lot more time. So just hang in there a little bit longer. I'm talking about freedom. I don't want to backslide, but it affects your attitude. It affects your actions. And let me just say this while I'm on the subject. Be careful who you hang around, amen. The Bible said evil communication corrupts good manners, amen. You watch this crowd, amen, and wants to talk about the preacher talk about the preacher's wife I ain't heard anything hope there isn't anything but if it is I'm gonna run right over it amen I don't you watch that crowd that wants to talk about the church amen I want to talk about members in the church and the church has been good to them and the church has loved them and the church has helped them but they go somewhere else and they want to talk about everything going on don't give your ear to be a trash can for them to spew that mess and that garbage into it amen I'm just talking about friend distance yourself from that crowd amen In fact, turn with me to Romans. There is a passage of Scripture I think every church member ought to memorize. It's Romans chapter 16. If you don't know this verse, you ought to pin it down and you ought to live by it. It's Romans chapter 16. Now, I didn't say this. This is what the Bible says here. It's verse number 17. Paul said to the the Romans here, he said, look at verse 17. Now beseech you, brethren, Mark them which cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which we have learned, and notice what the Bible says, avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. That means they're out for themselves. And notice the next phrase. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, I'm going to tell you, somebody may have a personality. They may have a charisma about them. I mean, it runs here to the interstate. And you may say, but I just love being around them. I just like being around them. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you, when they run down your church, when they run down your pastor, when they run down everything going in the, on the house of God, you know what? The Bible says it's time to do two things. Mark them and get away from them. Amen? Because it's poison. If you listen to something long enough and loud enough, guess what? It'll rub off on you and you'll start believing it's true. Amen? They're Fair speeches. I'm going to tell you what I believe. When somebody, talk, and I remember as a young, uh, young man preacher preaching this, uh, when somebody went against the church, uh, when somebody went against a man of God, uh, you mark them off, is what you do. You pray for them. You treat them like they got double leprosy. You say, Well, I thought you're supposed to be a Christian and reach out to them. Not that crowd you're not. You pray for that crowd, but that Bible says there, and it also says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says mark that crowd. Amen. 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 You stay away from them. You say, why is that so important? Because i tell you what I've watched down through the years, and I'm sure many of you can testify. I've watched people get away from God. It's amazing the place that helped them so much now hurts them. They'll walk away from God, but it ain't nothing. Now listen, if somebody wants to go to the world, that's one thing. A brother, when they want to start pulling sheep with them, right. brother, that's when I draw the line as a pastor. Amen. 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 And when they start wanting to pull people, I've watched people down there, you know what they do? They always go for the weak every time. Amen. That's what a wolf does. Yeah. Wolf will pick that weakest one out of that pack, he'll go after them. And here's what they'll do: they'll, they'll come in, listen they'll slide in under your arm like butter. And they'll talk so sweet, they'll talk so nice. They'll drop just enough little things along the way. Amen. To put doubts, question marks, things in your mind. If you listen to it long enough, it might get you. Amen. Amen and amen and Amen. I'm telling you this morning how to know your backslid, attitude, actions. Jonah, he got so mad. God God disciplined Jonah in this text. He disciplined him in verse number four with his word. He just asked him, dost thou well to be angry? Then he disciplined him with this worm. He put this gourd in Jonah's life to put shade there, but the next day he sends a worm to destroy it. And then he disciplined him with a wind. In verse number eight, the Bible said, it came to pass that when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted. Jonah could have used every bit of this as an opportunity to see the air of his ways and get right, but look what he said in verse number eight. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. You know, I, I want to say today that when God sends you a message, God sends me a message. And remember this, I don't ever preach a message to you that God don't put it in my own heart first and that I don't have to get on my own knees and deal with it. I said this morning, I said, God, I, help me to preach. Help me to preach the right spirit. Lord, help me to say only things that the Holy Spirit would have me to say. Don't let me say anything that grieve the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we sit on me and say Jesus only. I want to tell you this morning, Take an inventory of your life. Look at where you're at today. Has the circumstances of the last five or six months, have they changed you? Have they caused you to grow grow, grow cold and indifferent? You know, I'll be glad when we start Wednesday night. back. We're going to start it back real soon. We're going to start it in August. And my wife gave me the virus and so we couldn't. (laughs) Actually, I think I gave it to her. And uh, we're going to start it in August. And then, you know, we're going to start it back here real soon. But, but let me just say this. We're going to start Sunday school back. Not soon. Not soon. We're going to start choir back. All that one day. This virus will pass. It will pass. But I want to tell you something. You let complacency get in your heart. You backslide on God. It can stay there your lifetime. You stay there a long time, friend. Some of you sitting here this morning, you used to be a blessing in this church, and you still are, but you used to be more on fire for God than you are right now. And can I tell you, I'm just telling you, this as your pastor because I love you. We need you to pull up. Am I telling the truth? We need everybody to pull up closer to God. They might be somebody sitting here thinking about getting out of church because they've got so used to missing Wednesday nights and so used to missing Sunday school and, and, and the choir. And I, I tell you, I, I hate all that, don't you, that we're not able to do. And, and, but we've got we to gotta use our brain, don't we? There's a fine line between trying to balance the spirituality of a church and the safety of this mess. But the good thing is this will be gone soon. I just want us to stay on fire for God, don't you? I don't want the election, no matter who wins. And I pray that Joe Biden does not win. If he won, somebody would have to tell him he won. Amen. But I pray he don't win. That does not mean that I think Trump has all the answers. But I'm telling you, no matter who wins the election, I'm going to keep on serving God, aren't you? So what are we going to do if things get bad? We're going to still have church. We're going to keep on doing what we've always done. Isn't that right? But I don't want to just get by. There's a lot more I could say in this text, but I want to give you this. I always want to give you hope. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I know I'm backslid. I know, and I don't want to be. How can I overcome it? Submission to God. It starts on an altar, just on your knees, saying, Dear God, I'm sorry. You know, if Jonah just said that. How much better his life would have been? Just agree with God. Lord, the message was for me. If it wasn't for you, that's fine. But if you know it's for you, you just submit and say, God, that message was for me. And Lord, I appreciate you speaking to my heart. You don't have to tell me nothing about it, but you all tell the Lord about it. And then separate from people, pleasures, anything or anybody that would cause you to go down that road again. You know somebody that likes to gossip? Stay away from them. Can I get a witness? You know somebody's got a bad attitude, pray for them, love them, smile at them, tell them it's good to see them, but move on. Is that right? And then I wrote this down you want to overcome it, sing. So I can't sing. I can't sing, but I do. I sing to the Lord. The Bible said this in Ephesians 5, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to make a melody of your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. See, singing leads to thanksgiving. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. This morning, you want to get your joy back? I'll tell you how simple it is. Start, Stop practicing criticism. Stop it. Say right now, today, I'm going to get in that car and I'm going to go home and I'm not going to complain about Brother Gravely's sermon even though I didn't like it. I'm not even going to complain about it. I'm going to stop my criticism. I'm going to stop my complaining. You say, well, I don't have nothing to say if I stop that. Y'all know that's true some people. You can just study you stay to be quiet it's all right to be quiet sometimes ain't it if we don't talk people don't know how dumb we are but you say how am I going to overcome it I'm stopping the criticism I'm stopping the complaining God's been way too good to me I ought to be in hell he's given me a good home he's given me a good family he's blessed me he's let me be in a good church He's been better to me than what I deserve. I ain't got no right to complain about anything. And when I take that out of my life, i tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stop the complaining and I'm gonna start the thanksgiving.